Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, glory to God. I'm glad everybody could come today and we can have leadership. We can do continue with uh, justice, joy, and jurisprudence. We have not got very far, I'll be honest with you, as far as... Because, I mean, everybody wants to get to joy, right? I mean, that's the one that everybody's like... Joy, joy's a good one. Joy's a good one. Um, but uh, that's that's where we want to go. You're good with that joy? Yeah. Okay. You appreciate. Everybody's good with joy. Yeah. Anyway, no. <laughs> but um, justice, joy, and juris, jurisprudence, which uh, we never even got into the definition of jurisprudence, but it is the study of the law, the love of, the understanding of, and being able to represent it. It's kind of like the philosophy of love and what it does, or not love, but the law. And we know that we're governed by a law of love. And so um, when we get to that place, it'll be great, I promise you. But as I was asked last week, somebody said, I was standing there, and I, it, it totally caught me off guard. And they said, uh, they look, they said so is your ankle hurt? And I went, no, 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 what, what do you mean? They said, well, you kicked a lot of religious cows the other day. I thought for sure that your ankle would have been hurt. And I was like, because I'm looking at my leg like, what, do I look wounded to you? Or what? And anyway, so I know it's been tough, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not denying where we're at, but let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that enlightens us and gives us revelation. We thank you, Lord God, for you are so good to us. You've looked into our future. You planned out destinies for us. Lord, you've desired good things for us. And Lord, if we will walk in your ways, we will see the fullness of what you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have not changed that that perfect peace, that shalom peace of God where there's nothing missing, nothing broken in our entire life from our physical body to our minds, to our marriages, to our finances, to whatever we have, Lord God, that there is wholeness and that we are healed. And Lord, it's your desire for us, the destiny you've put before us, Lord God, that we could even be willing to lay down our lives for another. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Continue to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we see, if if I was going to do a quick recap on where we were last week, we kind of went through, and and so to recap cows or whatever we're going to do, we talked about how we can't be self-justified like Peter, you know, when he told Jesus, I will not forsake you. You know, and but the thing is, is he just renounced the word of God because Jesus only did what he heard his or said what he heard his father say and did what he saw his father do. So he renounced the word of God to Jesus and said, You're wrong. And that was tough, right? Because nobody wants to hear the bad news that. And I'll just tell you this. I mean, I, I remember doing this marriage counseling with a couple of people. You know what I tell every marriage counselor? Tough times are coming. There's a storm brewing. You're going to go through hell. And you'll find out how to manifest heaven if you stay with God. But there is nobody that's going to get married 
that is not going to find themselves with their nose against the ground trying to push out a faith bubble to get back up one more time to go one more round to get this thing done. Because the victory is in finishing, not in quitting. And so we finish well. We fight the fight of faith. And so, I mean, that, that I just, but, you know, Peter hears, you're going to deny me. Not desirable. So are we going into our prayer closets, listening and hearing the voice of the Father telling us undesirable things, unpleasant things? Because if you haven't heard something unpleasant from God, you didn't listen. He asks you to do things that are tough on your flesh. But... Why do we mortify this flesh? So we can glorify Him. We can live as an example. And so, we saw that. So self-justification is not justice. We don't get to justify ourselves. We saw that what the appropriate response was from the Syrophoenician woman. When she came to Him and she was pleading that her daughter would be made well. And Jesus called her a dog. And he walked away and he wouldn't respond. The first time he wouldn't respond to her. And he's still acting as his father. And we see that she called him by name. She called him by rank and position. Jesus, son of David. I mean, she knew about him. But what really ministered and moved the heart of God was when she stepped into faith and said, you judged me this way and I accept your judgment. Though I am a dog, the dogs will eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table and I call you a master. I'll submit to whatever level you have for me. Just do it. And he goes, whoa, faith. Heaven moves now on, his, on her behalf and faith is there. And the father says, move. And Jesus says, I hear you. And he moves moves and heaven touches earth for what somebody would say was an unworthy person she was not a Jew and so until Jesus was released to do it then we went to Dorcas and we saw Peter goes in there to Dorcas this woman that Everybody loved. She'd sewn things and done things for the community, and she did outreach stuff, and she's a wonderful person, and they're trying to tell him all about these wonderful things, like God didn't know it had happened, you know? Because he'd been with Jesus, so obviously he must be the answer, right? There's two sides there. And so he goes in there, and he has to do something. Because he knows now. He's been re restored. This is restored Peter. This is Peter that Jesus came to after the resurrection. This is Peter who knows that he's been endowed with the Holy Spirit and power himself. This is Peter who now has a relationship with the Holy Spirit on such a level that he knows he can hear it. We're going to go back to Peter a little bit today too. And we're going to look at some of the other things that he's done. And so we see though that now Peter sits there and he kneels down to ask communion of the Father. And then he turns, and he says, Tabitha, arise. And he calls her up, because he was revealed, the Holy Spirit revealed to him the moment what to do. I mean, 
Sometimes he tells you to do different things. And so we walk through all those different arenas, and we know this. According to eternity, we only get the snapshot of our moment. But according to eternity, God is always just. He's always the most high, most honorable. He is holy. He is righteous. And if we had his perspective, we would agree. And so what we're missing is the heavenly perspective in these things. And so we uh, continue to move on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, two quick verses. I don't know if you guys have quite realized how some of this is going. The Lord had me take three scriptures specifically, um, or three sets of scriptures. I've read one at each one of our openings, and today I'll read the third one. Um, it was Proverbs 2, and it was Psalms 119, and today we're going to go to the book of James. And he's had me reread these scriptures every single morning from before this time. And this is how he's teaching me. I'll just be honest with you. This is how the Spirit's been leading me. I've only read these two scriptures. And then he speaks and teaches out of these. And so this is how the Spirit's been teaching and going about these things. And we walk through this. And so here's, here's James. We're going to go to James chapter 2 in verse 8. And we're going to listen to how... <laughs> The brother of Jesus, I knew him, picked on him, teased him, right? I mean, we were both in the wood shop together with dad. This is James, the brother of Jesus. Didn't believe in him until what? That day came back from the cross. That makes a pretty good mark on you. Um, you know, when you start seeing how, you know, he was a rebel rouser. He was a political figure, Jesus was at that time. What was the James, the brother of Jesus, looking at at this guy? You know what they say already about us people that are from Nazareth? Come on. Can anything good? You, I'm one of those people. You know, we came out of Egypt. You know, can anything good, what? James, so James has converted to believe that his brother was the son of God. This is an amazing person to read after in the accounts because of that. And so, James chapter 2, verse 8, and I'm going to do this again in the Passion Translation for this. It says, your calling, say my calling. Okay, here it is. Is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in this scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. Anybody like to be noble? I mean, this is the, the, the desire always was, right? You watch all these, the kings, the princesses, the, the prince, you know, all these, you watch all these movies, you see all these things, and, and then we even look at modern day type royalty or people that we've esteemed to a high level, and everybody says, when they watch our shows, they want to be that person. They want to own the horse or lead the army or whatever. They want to have nobility. This is normal. This is who you are. You're a citizen of heaven. You are noble. This is why it's our law. It's a representation of who we are and where we abide from. This is our law. 
That's why, like, you watch the knights and those things, and they would hold themselves to a code of honor outside of where that code of honor is known. And we watch these shows, and we think it's great. So we, too, got to hold our code of honor outside of where they're known so that we, too, can see. But it's painful. Okay. For keeping this law is a noble way to live. Now, th- there's, a, there's a word right here that's coming up, and I'm going to have to break it down just a little bit. It says, but when you show prejudice, you commit sin, and you violate this royal law of love. So prejudice, the, I, I, I don't know, that says partiality, which is, you know what? A definition of prejudice. Did you know that if you show partiality, that means that you're pushing them to one part or another? And so you, you imparted or cut off, you know, departed. You are segregating prejudice, right? You see in all these words that are all lining up. So to show partiality, it, it's uh, to show partiality or to have a respect for. Hmm. Now, the interesting part about this is, so what is, so when you show prejudice, you commit sin. So, If I look at somebody, my neighbor, and I don't love them as myself, so if I push them above or beneath me, I showed partiality. I created prejudice. Right? Okay. So when you show prejudice, you commit sin, and you violate this royal law of love. For the one who attempts to keep all the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. For the same one who tells us do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you don't commit adultery but do commit murder, you're still going to be guilty as a lawbreaker. So, this is very critical right here. So we must both speak and act in every respect, like those who are destined to be tried. Like those who are, now this one says, who will be judged. Will you be judged? Passion translation said, destined to be tried. You can say right now, I'm destined to be tried. See, our court date's coming. So, Who do you know sits on the throne? This is the thing. Will you trust the judge? Will you call him the most high, most honorable judge? Do you believe that justice will be administered on your behalf? And says, so in in this here, I'm going to read again through Passion, verse 12. So we must both speak and act in every respect like those who are destined to be tried by the perfect law of liberty. Now, this is great. Verse 13. And remember that judgment is merciless. Nobody, I mean, so does the, does the, um, whatever, the, the court officials, if you want to use a sheriff or whatever, do they get to do anything after the gavel's been wrapped if they say take them away? They don't get to say, oh, but, you know, I just don't feel like it. You know, Right? No, judgment's been passed. So now mercy is gone. Correct? It just has to be followed out. And so 
remember that judgment is merciless. Now, here's, here's a, a, a quantifier here. For the one who judges others. What would that judging be? Showing prejudice, being partial. You move somebody above or beneath the law of love. If you do that, judgment comes upon us. And now finish this off. It says, for the one who, okay, and remember the judgment is merciless for the one who judges others without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment. We want to show mercy. What is that? Love of God. In Corinthians 13, I heard, are we experiencing this? Maybe it's just an I heard. But that love covers a multitude of sins, right? So are we covering a multitude of sins? Or are we keeping a record of a wrong suffered? Because we're setting ourselves up for judgment. And I know the judge. And the judge is good. He is a good. It's the goodness of God that, that leads men to repentance. Repentance is something that comes before a judge. See, the goodness of God, goodness is moral uprightness. <coughs> moral uprightness is a definition of goodness. Realize that, like, if you were alone in a room, a child was alone in a room, you could say that that, that child is being good means because they're holding themselves to some level of law. But they can't be kind. I used to have a problem because I was looking at the fruits of the Spirit and I see goodness and kindness, and I was like, well, what's the difference? And I had to study it out. And I found out that, you know what? Goodness is moral uprightness. That's why we hold ourselves to morality. And it's the goodness of God because he said that his, his word never changes. He said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he said that there's no shadow or turning within him. So when he said that, I can now hold him to it. And when he says I can come before the throne and lay down and I can boldly approach that thing and I can come in and I can obtain mercy that means that I can take every sin I have. And when he said that the blood of Jesus was enough, I can say that the blood of Jesus was enough. And I can say, God is so good to me that I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. This isn't by my works. I don't get to do the Dorcas where we have the whole list of, oh, look at all the good things that we've done. Look at all these good things. We deserve this. I should have prayed more. I should have read more. I should have done these things. We don't get that. It's not by works. It's by grace through faith. I simply believe that I was a sinner and that I am now saved by grace. And so we see that we got to show dominion by showing mercy. We can show dominion over judgment. Psalms 25, 9 says this. It says, he who leads the humble. Another word for humble that could have been put in here is the word afflicted. It says, he who leads the humble or afflicted in justice 
and he teaches, or he leads the humble, afflicted in justice, and he teaches the humble or afflicted his way. See, I'm learning the ways of God. I'm going to remain humble. See, what do we do? Do we respond like Peter when Jesus says something to us and justify ourselves? Or do we humbly submit like the Syrophoenician woman and know that our humility puts the miracle within grasp? And so, we look here. And uh, so we all must be afflicted, is what I wrote here, or humble. That's the easy word. The church word that we want to use is the word humble, right? But how come this same Greek word is called afflicted? So why don't we just say I want to be afflicted to be in need of justice. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So why wouldn't you want to be in a place where his hand is working on your behalf? I know I'm putting you into a bad picture. It's not getting any worse. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we thought we were good, but now, see, now we're going to find ourselves into more. Because the Lord's calling the church up, okay? He's calling us, each of us up individually. He's calling us up corporately. And he's saying that you got to get yourself, I hate to say this, into a tough place. You know, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't walk in that furnace, we wouldn't have a great story, right? Do we say story? Or should we say biblical account of the hand of God? And he, if he's done it once, he'll do it again. He's not partial. He's not prejudiced. He sees you as a son and a daughter of the Most High, and what he did before, he'll do again. And so we, we got to find ourselves pressed, crushed, bruised for their iniquity. What? That's the words Jesus wanted to hear, right? Got in his prayer closet. Your face will be marred. Your body will be pierced. You'll be bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of their peace will fall upon you. Snapshot of the cross that we like to hold, not pretty. God's perspective on eternity, beautiful. And so, we must be afflicted to be in need of justice. Because when did the cops come to your aid when you didn't need them? Knock, knock, knock. It's not quite like Mayberry or something. You know, somebody walks up, I just want to knock on your door and see if everything's good. Is your drawer stuck today? I'll open it for you. I mean, I don't, I just, I don't see it. it it's, <laughs> it's a little bit more than that, okay? <laughs> Who shows honor and reverence to God when he comes in and bails you out? Be honest with you. I'm righteous, okay? You guys are too. And a righteous man can fall how many times? And the Lord will raise him up. I'm fallen. I fell. I will fall again. That is not an arrogant statement. And that is not anti-faith. It just means that I know where I live right now. 
and I know that at some point I'll make a mistake and that something's going to happen. But I also know that the Lord has prepared an exodus for me that I can go through whatever trial and temptation and I can allow him to show his hand strong upon my life and he can redeem me yet again because I won't run out the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to you know, eradicate every bit of power out of the throne room for my life. I know that when I get to that place that I'll just reach into heaven and access it one more time. And I will know that I can rise up and be strong. Sometimes we just got to wait on the Lord and He'll renew our strength. And so, if you guys want any of these, I'll let you write some of these down and you can look at them. They're kind of like stories, so this is, this is good. Um, but I'm not going to quite take the time to read a couple of these, but um, I'll kind of touch them a little bit. Ezekiel chapter 4, you guys remember how I went through Jeremiah in the well, right? He got thrown into the well um, before the siege that was put on Jerusalem, and while they're all dying outside, he's eating from the king's table because the prisoner got bread every day. So they're starving to death, and he's in prison eating. Well, now let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel is the one that prophesied about that siege. Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, it tells a guy. Now put yourself in this picture. The Lord tells him, I want you to get a clay tablet or brick, depending on which version you look at. I want you to sit down in the city square so that they can see, oh, there you are, look at that. Portray it on it, a city, Jerusalem. So he's got his Legos, his Lincoln Logs. Yeah! I am mature as a man, Ezekiel. And he takes his toy... And he sits down, and if you go, I mean, you can just, yeah, there you go, lay siege against it. Build a wall. He's playing Legos, right? But he's doing it in front of the city. Man, I, you, we might as well just keep going. Heap up a mound against it, set camps also, place battering rams against it, all around. Yeah, go, 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 we'll do this. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate, set it on an iron wall between you and the city, set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. Go, go, go. Lie also on your left side. Now, now, now think about this. This, gets, this is where it starts to get crazy. So he was playing with toys in front of everybody, right? Now he's lying on his left side. Lay on the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. Whoa. According to the number of days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. Next verse, please. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days, 390 days, so you shall bear the iniquity of Israel, the house of Israel. Anybody lay on their left side for 390 days? How are you going to feel physically? How's your shoulder? How's your hip? What do bed sores look like? In front of everybody. This was in front of everybody. Next verse. 
And when you have completed them, lie against, again on your right side, then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. And I have laid on you a day for each year. Anybody signing up for the word of the Lord? Because we admire prophets. What's he doing? He's going before the people. Physically. Showing a picture and a representation before the people. Ezekiel 12, 1 through 7. The Lord makes him do it again. Ezekiel 12, 1. I'll burn through them. Let's go for it. Faster you got. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Woo! Right? Word of the Lord came to you. Remember how happy you are every time you guys hear the word of the Lord. Just, okay, there you go. Woo! Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. What country do you guys live in right now, and how are they looking and acting? Never mind, we'll continue on. Which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity. Whoa. What are you doing with your house? Because what's this look like? Again. And go into, oh, sorry, can you back me up one? I should probably just turn this into my Bible, and then I can read forward. But anyway, therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity. Go into captivity by day in their sight. In their sight. In their sight. You're going to look like you're going to be in captivity in front of everybody. They think you're crazy. You're nuts. What's wrong with you? You were just laying on your side for like a year. You played with a brick. You acted like a fool. You shall go from your place into captivity to another place in their sight. From one place to another place in their sight. You're doing this in front of them. It may be that they will consider, though, they are a rebellious house. Go ahead and go to four. By day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight as though going into captivity. And at evening you shall go into their sight like those who go into captivity. Are you getting the picture? In their sight. Next verse. But in their sight. In their sight. That's like four times. Where do you live as an example? This is us. Dig through the wall in their sight. The wall of Jerusalem? In front of everybody by day? Are you real? You lost your mind. And carry your belongings out through it. Get that hole, Doug. What are you doing? I just heard a word of the Lord. I'm doing what he told me to do. I got blisters on my hands. They're popping. I've been carrying my gear. I got my stuff. I keep going from end side to side of the city. I know every one of you have saw me. I love following God. Right? In their sight, you shall bear them out on your shoulders, carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. You blindfolded yourself and took off with a pack on your back? How? At twilight, you are a special person. Right? That's what he's saying. 
so that you cannot see the ground, for I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. Go ahead, one more verse, I believe. Yes. So I did as I was commanded. That's a very good thing. I brought out my belongings by day as though going into captivity, and at evening I dug through the wall with my hand. I brought them out at twilight, and I bore them on my shoulder in their sight. So who wants to be called to be the voice of a prophet? Did you know that you all prophesy every day with your life? And we see. I mean, you weren't Isaiah. You can jot that one down. I'm not, I'm not. Isaiah 22 through 4. How about walking barefoot and naked for three years? Anybody want to do that? Why don't you just expose yourself for three years, walk around? They, they're going to talk about you. Now, how about the person that's actually going to listen to you because you do have the voice of the Lord? Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. We need to be spirit-led on both fronts. We see a crazy person doing a bunch of crazy stuff. We better be spirit-led if we're supposed to be listening. If we're told to do crazy stuff, we better be spirit-led so that we can be listening. How about Paul in Acts chapter 20? I mean, those were Old Testament examples, so, you know, you can discount that Old Covenant stuff. Let's, let's not, let's, I mean, but New Testament, come on, you got to give me New Testament on this, because that's where I live. Acts 20, verse 22, verse, uh, yeah, Acts 20, verse 22, says this, it says, and see now, I go bound in the Spirit, is that Physically? Not in the spirit, to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. This is Paul. Anybody know the outcome of this? Is this the word of the Lord? Okay, I'm going to start over one more time. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. What did God call you to do? He called you to be a witness. He called you to live out a manifestation of Jesus Christ. How many times are you supposed to carry your cross? Just once a year? Once, once, once at the point of salvation? I pick up my cross once a decade for Jesus? Or is it daily? Daily. Daily. And so we see that suffering was in city after city for Paul. And he did not relent on the calling of God upon his life. 
Now, so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump over to Acts 10, and we're going to jump back to Peter. I promise you that we'd get back to Peter. But what we're seeing here is something that's going on every single time. Did God make his will known? Every single time. Again, if you are in a place and you don't know how you got there, you probably didn't listen on the way. So, Acts 10, 19, says this. It says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Peter just got sent to the Gentiles. He'd never been to the Gentiles. I mean, he saw a Syrophoenician woman, you know, with her daughter, but he was not sent to the Gentiles. He held to the Jews, and he actually did later. But at this point, he was released by that vision. But who said it to him? The Spirit said to him. We have to hear the Spirit that will break our religious eyes. The Spirit is for free. The Spirit of the Lord is freedom, liberty. He will set you free. That's justice. Those words are from the judge. He relinquished things that were upon you and cut off judgments that were against you and restored you through righteousness. Um, so God does not rejoice in our suffering, but he does prepare us for it. He does not rejoice in our suffering. See, the thing is, is do we actually believe, believe uh, this is funny, Old Testament, it says, uh, I want to get to Ezra, where am I at? Ezra 33. I got it in my notes somewhere, it's Ezra 33.11. Anyway, um, <clears throat> there it is. Um, Ezra 33.11 says, I take no pleasure, how much pleasure? No pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather the wicked turn from his way and live. That's the wicked. You're the righteous. How much more? He doesn't desire this for you. He desires more. Now, how does he manifest it? You may find yourself on the cross... But realize that your future or the, fut the eternal perspective of eternity, that the judge is just and that you may be saving myriads. Yeah, glory to God. Okay, I want to go back up here. So, Jesus was led to the cross. God did not rejoice in that moment. He actually turned his back on the sin. There's a rending that had to take place at that moment. But a purchase was being made. The ignorance of Satan to reach out and touch somebody that had not touched of sin. And he thought that he could cut and cessate him from this earth. Forced the hand of an honorable judge. God. God. 
the father. When he's seen it and he goes, whoa, an injustice is being done. You laid your hand upon a not guilty party. I now have to manifest myself because vengeance is mine. And he reached down out of heaven into the depths of hell, grabbed Jesus, and pulled him back so that we could be redeemed. But Jesus allowed God to show forth his full vengeance upon the devil. And we're free because of it. We're free because of it. The wages of sin is death. The only way to pay for this was death. It had to come about. And so, I love it. Justice will fall in our eternal lifetime. No one gets past the throne without accountability. No one will get past the throne without accountability. And so, I want to jump over to here. Amos 3.7 says this. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. If you're listening, you'll know. If you're listening, you'll know. Surely the Lord God does nothing. What did he say about Abraham and Moses? He was going to do something to this place called Sodom and Gomorrah. They deserved it, you know. But there was a guy named Lot that was there. And he said, how can I hide this from my servant Abraham that I intend to do? God did not hide anything from you, but he does seek for you to come find it. He wants to know that it has the same value to you as it does to him. And you know what? You search for things that have value. Lose your cell phone, your car keys, right? Seems pathetic in this conversation right now, but, um, but lose them. They turn over the house. I mean, you could walk in, all the couch cushions are flipped out, things are tossed, drawers are moved, and then you just find your phone in the fridge. I mean, where was it at, right? Uh, <clears throat> but, so that's what it is, but we seek for things that have value. John 15, 15 says this, it says, No longer do I call you slaves. We were slaves. For the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. What did he withhold from you? Where are you living in your life? Um, Ephesians 1.9, God states, he goes, I made known to us the mystery of his will. He made it known to us. It's a mystery of his will. It's a mystery, though. Yeah, but he made it known, so is it a mystery to who? See, I can, I can make a plan. Pro, uh, Proverbs says that. I can plan out my ways, but the Lord has to order my steps. And you know what? Sometimes you go, well, I'm taking three steps backward, Lord. And he goes, nope, you're taking the one step that's needed to come towards me. And so... I'll close with this. 
John 16, 25 says the Holy Spirit, well, you can read it, it's the functions of the Holy Spirit. He discloses the future. He shows you things that are to come, right? And so we need revelation light to walk with God. What God has made known through revelation will come to pass. This is why communion, fellowship, koinonia, intimacy is so important. Our Father desires intimacy. See, you're all called to be leaders, right? And true leadership is not lonely. It's intimate, and you don't share your intimate things with everybody. Okay? Leadership is intimate, not lonely. If you're thinking it's lonely, it's about a source issue because you looked at the wrong place. We got to look our, keep our eyes fixed on God, and we'll continue to go forward from there. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.